let this be a lesson to you, ladies and gentlemen, mm. of the dangers of when you actively and boastfully root for what you believe will be the easiest route to victory. <laughs> Sometimes you get what you are asking for. <laughs> and with that, I want to introduce that this is severely John Tracy. This is dangerously Matt Craig. There you go. I am suspiciously Steve Murray. Welcome to Two Noobs Talking, episode 137. Here we are, gentlemen, 137. John, how are things down in the state of Texas for you, sir? Well, it started raining at 2.30 in the morning, and it just stopped raining about an hour ago. And it's like 1.30, so about 12.30, it finally stopped raining. Wow. So it's chilly now. It was 85 degrees yesterday. Now it's cold. Moving on. <laughs> Happens like all the time. Would you like some French cries to go with that wine? Yes. Good time. Good time. Speaking of whining about the weather, Matt, how are oh. things at your end of Pennsylvania? Well, I got a streamlined haircut. Very happy about that. Uh, but all $27. things considered, yep. $27 later, yeah. Ugh. But all things, all things considered, can't complain. No complaints whatsoever. Love it. Um, you know, I have to admit, though, um, I have fully jumped on the Florida Panthers bandwagon. After what they have done in this nice. tournament, are you kidding me? Boston, dispatch to those bums, and then you go into Toronto and you take three games in Toronto? Are you kidding me? Team of destiny. They're going all the way. Now, I don't know how they're going to get past Carolina. But we'll see. Um, Remains to be man, seen. Alive. Yeah, yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. I love the Panthers. Are you kidding me? Team of Destiny, all of them. Digging it, digging it. And for those who have no clue what I was talking about when I introed the program, um, when the Leafs dispatched and finally got into the second round of the playoffs for the first time in 19 years, mm-hmm. uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Their, their fans out uh, in the square where they were watching the game started chanting, we want Florida. This was before, <laughs> this was before <laughs> Florida had finished off Boston in a 3-1 series comeback. Wow. Um, and so it, you got what you wanted. Yeah. You got Florida, and they trounced your yep. ass in five games. Yeah. You know, it's great. I, I've always been of the idea that if you want to be the best – you gotta beat the best. Yeah. And so woo, the opponent, woo. the opponent in your next round, if you're moving on, shouldn't matter. Just take who yeah. you got. Let's effing go. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. See if you can beat them. And you know, if you can possibly exercise some demons along the way, go for it. All the more better. Yeah. If if the Toronto fans had any balls, <laughs> they would have been chanting, We want Boston. Yes, because <laughs> hey, bring on the the big bad Bruins who just set the record for the best uh, NHL season in history. Yeah, let's exercise our playoff demons and, and take on the Boston Bruins. But no, they wanted Florida because they wanted the perceived weaker of the two teams. And look where that got you. I wonder. I wonder how Sid Sixero up there in, in Canada is feeling uh, when he wakes up uh, and feels that his Maple Leafs have basically, you know, basically pissed the bed. You know, losing 
to an expansion Florida Panthers team, even though they've been <laughs> in the league for over 25 yeah. years now. Exactly. You know, it's like, I hope he, I hope he just absolutely is tossing and turning uh, in his, in his, in his bed and just wondering why there's a puddle of urine in there. I'm just saying. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, well, we should say I don't like easy. the guy, John. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can all rest easy knowing the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL will go yet another year without a stand. So there you go. There you go. There it is. None of my business. Another another fifty some odd years of failure. There you go. Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> here, here. Congratulations. Here, here. In any event, <laughs> moving on, since we've already sort of had an over 40 segment, but the real <laughs> over 40 segment. There you go. <laughs> and fun facts for the day are brought to you by W Energy Drinks. Visit W.GG. That's D-U-B-B-Y.GG. Pick your favorite flavor. Um, Toronto fans might be wanting those tears, uh, you know, from W at the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, pick your favorite flavor. Enter the promo code 2 Talking. That's T-O-O Noobs, N-O-O-B-S. Don't complain that we don't know how to spell. Uh, and you get 10% off your order. So how about that? We're, we're giving you a break. You um, go. I'm going to do a real quick fun fact here because I think John has a, 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 a nice over 40 that he wants to everyone to join in on. Whoa. Um, the, the, the fun fact has to do with bees. I found this out last week when my father and I were discussing a would-be that uh, lives on his deck and causes hmm. issues. I mean, they're not dangerous, but they make up for their lack of danger by being super aggressive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And pretending that they're, you know, have fight in them, <laughs> kind of like Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> bees, although they have a brain the size of a poppy seed, uh, are able to pick out individual features on human faces and recognize them during repeat interactions. Crazy. So your local bee knows who you are. Yep. <laughs> that ain't Absolutely. messed up. It's a good thing I like bees. You know, wasps are a totally different story. I didn't hear the same thing about wasps. So hopefully it's not true. But bees yeah. apparently know you. And uh, if you deal with them on a regular basis, you might not want to piss them off because they know where no. you live. Yeah, exactly. That's just fascinating. They have like a brain the size of a poppy seed. That's just nuts. I, I can't get over that, too. <laughs> I mean, that's like this tiny. You know what I mean? That's like really, really tiny. That's it's small now for sure. Yeah, indeed. All right, John, what do you got to, to whine about for people over 40? Yes. Well, I, <laughs> I think the three of a, us are. I think this is a whine about for everybody that enjoys sports. I'm bringing up the uh, the NHL lottery, and I'm also throwing in the NBA lottery. Um, <laughs> what the hell? This is yeah. the one time. Yeah, this is the one time where I actually agree with the NFL's structure in doing stuff. The NFL mm-hmm. does a hell of a job in the draft. They, they they made it popular. They do it over the course of a couple nights. You can interact with your friends. It's a really fun experience. Like the NFL draft is awesome. The NHL draft is following suit with the NBA draft lottery where it makes nothing fun because it's filled with controversy, stupidity, and there are teams that don't even suck that get lottery balls, and it make it makes no sense to me. I I yeah. just say, and I'll throw it out to you guys for your thoughts, but I, I want them, and I said this to Steve and Matt earlier in the week, I want them to go standing structure. You win the cup, you win the NBA Finals. I don't care what sport I'm watching. You, if you win, you pick last. And then we work it backwards. If you were the worst team in the league, you get the player. 
it has to be this way. This is not a way to promote your, especially the NHL, not a way to promote your league by BS like this. Chicago Blackhawks yeah. get another number one pick. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. It makes yeah. it, it makes me not want to watch it. John, just for your amusement and for Steve's amusement, I pulled up an ESPN article on how the NHL draft lottery works. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys want to hear this? Mm-hmm. Because this is sure. completely convoluted. I wanted to see if you guys can follow exactly what they do here. <clears throat> Clearing the throat. <clears> throat> the first draw of ping pong balls determines the number one pick based on the assigned combinations. However, since a set of rules changes in 2021, a team can move up to a maximum of 10 spots in the order. Therefore, if a team in spot numbers 12 to 16 wins the first draw, they move up accordingly. And the team with the lowest, the team lowest in the standings, in this year's case, the Anaheim Ducks, slots in at number one. Then there is a second draw to determine the next possible spot, using similar rules as the first. Similarly, a team in spot numbers 13 to 16 can still move up only 10 slots, so they would be so they would move up accordingly, and the next lowest available team in the standings would get pick number two. Regardless of which teams win the draft lottery draws, picks in rounds two to seven are in reverse order of the final standings following the playoffs. You guys follow that? Kind of, but it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, so so a team a team can jump 10 spots, is what you're saying. Uh, so yeah. a team that a team that boom, boom, that boom, was boom, the boom, worst boom. Yeah. team that maybe won six games, if the rest of the league is okay, one of those teams could run yeah. in like like said team we're talking about the Blackhawks run in and just swoop well, it. From to them. be fair, Chicago had the third worst record, so it wasn't like they were a borderline playoff team. Yeah. Um, but there, there, there are a couple reasons why, and just to get it, you know, make sure this is not sour grapes coming from Flyers fans who didn't win the lottery. Um, I did not expect to win the lottery. No. My only hope was that we didn't move backwards from where we mm-hmm. are at seven. I didn't want to mm-hmm. go eight or nine. So yep. mm-hmm. I'm fine. I would yep. have been fine had Anaheim won the lottery. I would have been fine yep. had Columbus won the lottery. I would have won been fine if Arizona had won the lottery. Yeah. I didn't really care. Yeah, the fact that it's Chicago is the issue <laughs> for several reasons. One being they clearly tanked. Yes, like you think? they were not even high. Even though Gary Bettman came out and said, "Oh, nobody's tanking," Chicago tanked. <laughs> yeah. they, they not yes, only. They I mean, this wasn't like this wasn't like selling off your high priced veterans. They got rid of like young talent. Yeah. who were in line for, you know, extensions. They got rid of Alex DeBrinkett. They got rid of a couple other guys. I forget the doc, I think was the defenseman's name. Yeah. They were, they were angling for this, uh, mm-hmm. despite what Gary Bettman says. Columbus, I think, I mean, they signed Johnny Goudreau. I don't think they were trying to tank. I think they got hit hard by injuries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And things just so they got really screwed over. happened. But they got oh, really screwed over, too. Completely. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Anaheim, I don't know if they were tanking, but they have some young stars. Zegris, I, you know. Silverberg, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Chicago yeah. was clearly in tank mode. Second, awful coincidence that Chicago is the one big market out of hmm. the teams that were really in play here. 
that landed yep. the next generational superstar in Connor Bedard. Well, a little fishy, mm-hmm. especially just at the end of when Patrick Kane and Jonathan, and Jonathan Taves are on their way out. Yeah, yep. a little weird. And then the whole, strange. you know, and then the finally the whole sexual abuse scandal uh, that uh, perpetrated the Chicago Black yeah. organization. Yeah, mm-hmm. that punishment didn't really seem to fit the crime here, did it? No, uh, your punishment no. is you get no. you get the next generational superstar. Yeah, well. uh, my my, that's why people are really thinking the lottery is rigged. Mm-hmm. And my solution, I I don't like John's thing because that leads to mm-hmm. tanking. Mm. I would say, why can't you do the lottery, the actual lottery, in front of an audience? I mean, they picked the Powerball in, on that live TV. Why that can't they true. do the same thing for the NHL draft? I don't get that's it. A, that's a brilliant, why do we that's have a brilliant to do take. It, why do we have to do it in super secret and then have this whole ritual where people hold up cards in order? I, that's stupid. They, Just show they stole it from the, they stole it and, from and, the rigged NBA lottery. That's what they yeah. Right. And, and just so you know, uh, and actually uh, for our good friend down there in North Carolina, who I know listens to this podcast uh, by the name of Glenn Murray. Glenn, we don't even, you know, like contrary to what you'd like to think in our fantasy football league, pal, we have an open market when we do our lottery. We do it. Yes. There's never a conspiracy theory to screw you over and put you in the lower of the first round. Every There's a day. thought. It just it's to not I know, but Yeah. <laughs> Put out a video link. Oh, it's totally a thought. I put it's out totally a, a thought, and it's not. <laughs> Love it. I put out a video link. Anyone in the yep. league is free yep. to join. We yep. actually had somebody join last year. Join last so year. Yep. A lot of witness that everything was on the up and up. <laughs> everything was coached. Why can't the NHL yep. do it? Why can't the NBA do it? I, I agree. Understand. I agree. Why has it got to be super secret? So, Glenn, just so you know, no conspiracy theory here. None. None whatsoever. And you can trust me. And you can trust your brother. Maybe. <laughs> he still doesn't know. <laughs> he won't. He won't. He Love would it. he would want to make sure every one of the ping pong balls he's assigned to is actually in the bucket. Yeah, well that's true. You know, yeah. But I'm not gonna do that. Well, <laughs> speaking of speaking of the NHL draft, I'm glad you brought that up, John, because that leads us directly into topic number one. Let's uh, do it. We were all somewhat surprised to find out uh, this past week that the Philadelphia Flyers have named their president of hockey operations. Mm. And to, I think, everyone here's surprise, uh, Mm -hmm. the name that came up was named was Keith Jones, former Mm. uh, Flyer from 98 to 2000, um, more known recently for his broadcast work, both for the Flyers and nationally for, I think, 17 years mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is how long he's been in that game. Um, so congratulations to Keith. That's yeah. uh, an awesome uh, job that you've procured. Uh, we mm-hmm. should also mention Danny Breer had the interim tag removed. Uh, he is now officially the general manager and no longer just the puppet in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a the Flyers had a press conference yesterday to introduce uh, both Keith Jones as president and uh, Danny with his new title. Uh, they also trotted out Dan Hilferty, who is the, I don't know what his title is. He's he's the main guy in charge of the Flyers now. Resident? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know what his, uh, Val uh, Camillo, who I, 
Spectacor chairman and CEO and governor of the Philadelphia Flyers is his there title. You go. There you go. There so you he's go. he's he's the new Ed Snyder at this, this Yep. Uh, or I guess he's replacing Dave Scott, so he's the new Dave Scott. But mm. Dave Scott's tenure was uh rather infamous, so we will no longer speak of it again. <laughs> uh, also had brought up Val Camillo, who is the the business side uh mm-hmm. of the organization. Uh, and our favorite coach, John Tortorella, was also mm-hmm. on hand. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a little bit more to say about what he said a little later on. But um, mm. I think, uh, Matt, I'll go to you first. You saw the press conference. Uh, did you like what uh, Mr. Jones and Mr. Breer had to say? What were your impressions? Yeah, 100%, Steve. I, I What I'd love to hear um, from both of those two men, we're, we're in the rebuild right now, and we need to take the time be patient with us we will get this right was the common theme that i heard and i loved every single syllable that was uttered by both of those two guys they finally admitted to the fact the organization has finally admitted to the fact that they're in their low spot right now and they need to rebound and get better and uh and that's step one uh admitting you have a problem is step one <laughs> and uh, you know at the thing. end of the day <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing and and you know that that now that you've admitted what's going on, now it takes the steps to get the uh, organization in a much better spot. Sorry, organization in a much better spot than it is now. Um, I loved it. I, I I couldn't be happier for Keith uh, Jones, and I couldn't be happier for Danny Briere. I think you've got guys that have played in the league. Um, I hear the you know their complaints already from some Flyers fans. Oh, here we go again. It's the Flyers all over again. It's always in-house. Well, it didn't exactly work out last time with Chuck Fletcher being hired outside the organization. So I don't want to hear that argument. Um, the, The truth of the matter is you need people in your organization that know your organization, that know your culture, know your environment, know what's going on, know the market you're in. Um, and the fact that Jonesy's well-liked and you got Danny Briere, who is also well-liked, love it. Absolutely love it. And I, I think they're committed. I mean, you know, it's like if, if they want to turn this around, they have all the motivation in the world to get it done. And they were both both beloved in, in the city when they were playing here. And I think, you know, with that passion that they've got for the fans and making sure they've got a winner, all for it. 100% all for it. I cannot wait for them to get started and see what, what they do next. We'll see. Well, John, as a Texas outsider who uh, confessed to us in pre-production, you are no longer the diehard Flyers fan that uh, Matt and I are. Terrible. But, uh, what, you, you although you said you were you were excited about this. Um, Yo, absolutely. I'm curious to hear why. Absolutely. Uh, when I first got excited when I heard the two names, when I heard Olchek and Jones were competing for the for this job, and I'm like, all right, well, okay. I like it because they're hockey guys. I like hockey people. So hockey people being at the, not just the general manager being a hockey guy. I want the president to be the hockey guy. That's what we got when we had Ed Snyder. He cared about hockey. He cared about his Flyers franchise, even though he was doing more with Spectacor than just the hockey stuff. He still had his hand in it. So we got a hockey guy now at the top. Now you're you're bringing in Danny Bear. Everybody seems around the organization to like him. I great player i think he i think he could be a great general manager because he he gets the game so that's good you need a general manager to kind of 
the, the whole Mike Keenan thing. Mike Keenan really understood the game as a coach. He made a good general manager later in his, his career because he got the game and he understood what he wanted to put together. So maybe, I, I don't know, D- Danny's, we'll see with Danny, but I, I, tr- I, I trust him as a human that he probably will make a good general manager. And if not, they'll just replace him. And then you bring it and you bring in Torch. I've talked about I've talked about Torch a million times. Love the love the pick. Yeah. These three guys together, none of them seem to be full of shit. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I will definitely watch a little bit more and and poke poke my head in and and see what's going on. They they they've got me intrigued. This isn't oh we hired a dude from Vancouver. We hired a dude from Columbus. Here's mm-hmm. our coach Torch, and we're gonna make decisions that we don't know anything about. Yeah. It, it kind of brought that Ed Snyder feel back to me that they actually made decisions that were for the hockey franchise and not for spectacle. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you bring his name up because I know you didn't see the press conference, but mm-hmm. uh, Keith Jones did go out of his way, I think, at one point to say, this is Mr. Snyder's. And he said, he still calls him Mr. Mr. Good. Snyder. That shows you the yeah. respect he's got for him. This is still Mr. Snyder's hockey team. Yeah. And we're going to do everything we can to yep. further that ideal mm-hmm. um which i think tells you something uh you know it's it's not just forget the past it's build on the past right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um so let me get your take on this because one of the one of the big complaints around here is well Breer had no prior experience as gm and keith jones he's been doing broadcasting his entire mm-hmm. post career mm-hmm. Uh, so he doesn't have experience as president of hockey ops. This is destined to be a disaster for that reason. What's what's your response to that? I mean, you could probably say a valid concern about Danny Briere, uh, just the fact that you know it is his first full time general manager general manager position. But at the same time, the guy's paid his dues as well. I you know he started up in the organization and went to Wharton. He did. I mean, he did a lot of background stuff in you know back behind the scenes that he wasn't just an alumni that was just you know kind of i don't want to say they coast by but essentially like alumni goes in they take the photos and then they move out or they play in an alumni hockey game he was involved he was involved in the organization he clearly loves being a flyer he absolutely loves it i remember when we signed him as a free agent he absolutely loved coming here this is a guy that was a saber for more longer than his career. I think if I remember right, I think his flyers career was only six, six years total, but he spent Buffalo. What was it like eight or nine years or something like that? So you would think like he would have like some sort of connection to Buffalo. He's like, Nope, Philadelphia all the way. Something about the culture of the flyers seems to kind of bring that out of people that they're loved here, that they're welcomed here, that they're not forgotten about. And so yeah, there is some concern, I think, in regards. I, I, I would love to see him pull off a like a big blockbuster trade. I Does he have that capability? Maybe. I mean, time's going to tell. Obviously, at the time of this recording, we don't know. Um, but I would put the keys, uh, you know, of any sort of transactional trade or, you know, signings on him than Chuck Fletcher. I'll tell you that right now, Steve. <laughs> that's That's how I would feel. Yeah, people, <laughs> yeah. People, people seem to forget that he was a finalist for the Montreal Canadiens job mm-hmm. yeah. a couple years yes, ago. He was. Yeah, yeah uh, he was. and yeah. by all accounts, the reason he didn't get it was because he was promised an assistant GM here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, how about Keith Jones? John, what, what, what level of concern do you have that Keith Jones has never worked in a front office? Absolutely none, because if you're building a hockey team, I want the guy that his job was to watch hockey for 17 years. This dude <laughs> knows more about hockey than all of us. He, yeah. Broadcasting hockey, that, Bill Clement said it best years ago when he, ta- when he was talking about Bob Clark being a GM. And Bill Clement said, I'd rather have the guy that's in the rink every day making decisions than a guy that's in the office every day. And that reminded me when Joe, like thinking about Jones, how long he's been on the grind of, of broadcasting. And it doesn't, he just isn't, it isn't fly by the seat of the pants. Like when Jonesy makes a point during a game or during a, a, a TV show, He's not just like, oh, I'm Keith Jones, haha, I'm funny, like I'm on the morning show. This dude actually breaks down people, the game and and players for what they're doing, right and wrong. And he's yeah. he was great at that. And that's what yeah. you need when Tortorella and Briere are stuck on a guy. Hey, I want to bring this guy in. Blah, blah, blah. I feel Keith Jones can have that help and be like, you know what? I don't know if I like this about the guy and then they can bounce it it's different but they can bounce it against each other and maybe we'll come up with the right decision instead of uh chuck fletcher just i made the decision because i made the decision and i didn't even i didn't even make the decision that i just told you i was going to make the decision of i just changed the decision and i I don't care i'd rather have that yeah, I, one thing I probably would want to add to John's point would be like I think he'll also work well with uh, Valerie Camillo uh, on the business mm-hmm. side of things because it's like if you know, let's just say like Breer makes that move, that transition, or makes a trade that brings in a high quality you know player, all of a sudden it's like this is he's consulting with Jones. Jones says to Camillo, "Hey, FYI, this guy's coming in. He's great. He's a terrific two-way player. Whatever." And, you know, and it's like you've got that business side of things where it's like now you're starting to draw fans back into the building, which, yes, you know, let's face it, that March game when we were talking about that a few weeks ago uh, in the episode where the Rangers came over, the Flyers really at the lowest point. Fletcher just had no answers, none whatsoever. And half of the lower bowl in that stadium was taken over by the Rangers fans down there. That's something that just should never happen in the city of Philadelphia. Never. 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 That is never. the biggest bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So, I not, mean, that... Not, not in the Flyers stadium. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, and, and I think it goes to the fact that Camilla was basically working with trash, and she's, like, looking at this roster and probably going, like, all right, who the hell do I market? Well, Sean Couturier, yeah. well, he's out right now. He's injured. Atkinson, out, injured. Ellis, out, injured. Who brought them? You know, it was like, you know, Katuri was obviously homegrown, but you've got like Atkinson, nowhere to be found. Ellis, nowhere to be found. You know, these were Fletcher picks here. So, I mean, it just, it goes hand in hand, I think. And maybe there's some synergy happening there. We'll see. We'll Keith see. Jones is extremely sharp. Oh, yeah. He is a smart dude. He hides it very well behind the mm-hmm. persona. No doubt. But mm-hmm. you, when you actually listen to the things he says on the broadcast, he is brilliant. very smart. Yeah, brilliant. Very smart. Yep. I think he mm-hmm. has the potential to do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I People who are concerned about the lack of experience, I, you know, I can understand that. But I think you can give it a chance because I, I've heard in ver- various people talking about it. As a broadcaster, you get access to, like, everybody mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. game. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you get better access. You sometimes get better answers than the regular media gets. Yes. Yeah. And so he may be privy and he may have ins with people that, you know, we just don't know about. And John, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, he's watched a lot of hockey. But I want to I want to conclude on the second issue that gets raised around here, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is the dumb one, uh, the experience one. I can understand the nervousness. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah that's, absolutely. But this is this is the one that pisses me off because, in my opinion, you pick who you think is the best person for the job. You don't mm-hmm. scratch somebody off just because they are either an insider for the mm-hmm. Flyers or an outsider from the Flyers. I don't mm-hmm. think you. I, that- Use that as a barometer whatsoever. Absolutely. I couldn't agree Um, more. Yeah. Yeah. John, for your benefit, I'm going to read you what John Tortorella had to say about that before Mm -hmm. uh, I get your reaction. John Tortorella, and he went, he wasn't even asked this question. He did this. This was on his own. He brought this up on his own. He said, Why am I not surprised? Why do people, (laughs) I love this guy, former flyers, (laughs) why do people think that they're diseased? If you're an ex-flyer and you come from the organization, <laughs> that you shouldn't be in this organization. That oh, we need to it. look outside. It's the person you're looking at. I'm proud that they are flyers. I'm proud of these guys over here and other alumni that care about this organization. That's what thrills me the most. I think we have strong personalities and I think they care. I don't get some of the thinking out in this city. Oh, it's an ex-flyer again. They're doing it the same way. God damn. It is so important to have that belief. So I'm thrilled. I can't wait to get to work. And already starting to do it. Love it. Uh, and before I switch it over to you guys for your reaction, let me just give some stats for your ass. Let's go. Uh, the last time the Flyers made the Stanley Cup final and were a threat in the playoffs, mm. who mm. was the GM? That would be Paul Hungren. That Hungren. was Paul Hungren. Ex-Flyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right? Yep. Coach um, and GM, yeah. Ex-coach, yeah. And player. When the Flyers, and player. When, yeah. When the Flyers were, you know, consistently a contender in the late 90s and early 2000s, who was the GM? Yeah, that Their captain from the 70s. Bob Clark. <laughs> Clark. Yeah, exactly. Former Flyer. Yep. Uh, last time they were actually, you know, contending in the playoffs, and I'm talking 2014 when they took the Rangers to seven and actually mm-hmm. had a chance. Who was the head coach? Oh, man. Craig Berube. <laughs> Berube? Okay. I like Berube. Craig Berube was your head you coach. There you go. Okay, former Flyer. Um, yeah, he the played. guy who just over the guy who just was fired and oversaw this slop, Chuck Fletcher, outside the organization. Yeah, yeah. the Vancouver, last full time. Yeah, the, no Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, okay. The last full time head coach this team had before Tortorella was Elaine Vino, outside the organization. Yeah, outside the organization. The, the last, Way the outside the organization. <laughs> The last full-time coach they had before that, Dave Hextall, outside the organization. The yeah. previous GM before Chuck Fletcher, Ron Hextall. But what was the thing that people said about him when he came over? Oh, well, he spent all those years building out in L.A. He knows how yeah. to do it from a fresh perspective. Yeah. Well, he really screwed us over, didn't he? <laughs> okay. So don't give doing... me this nonsense. Yeah. He's not doing a yeah. very good job now either. <laughs> uh, well, he did screw so, the Penguins over, which I'm in favor. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. I mean, he may be he may be pulling the Al Horford here of we <laughs> sent him over there intentionally to to screw up the organization. Uh, if we could so, only I mean, hope. What, what are your guys? What is your guys' response to those people who who? are narrow-mindedly saying, oh, it's just, just going back to the well of X-Flyers. John, I'll go to you first as an outsider. 
I uh, <laughs> I blame I blame WIP. Um, yeah. Yes. Totally for the for this sentiment in in Philadelphia. It's all it's all Elmer not El Morgani, uh Angelo Gataldi's <laughs> fault, and El Morgani couldn't oh, save yeah. it. Went once yeah. it came out, and it, it went up and down the line. That's all it ever was. All oh, Bob Clark's mm-hmm. just a former player. He's you know getting rubbed by Ed Snyder because he won him two cups. It not Bob Bob Clark did what Bob Clark could do, and then removed himself when he could no longer do what he could do. And they tried everything. They tried inside the organization, outside the organization. I just think it, it's a phantom idea that they only go for former Flyers. Hmm. Sometimes they go from in-organization players that they might have got late. What was that? John Stevens, didn't he come in to play for the Phantoms and then he became a Phantoms coach? After that, yes. like, so he was in the organization, but he wasn't a lock stock. It wasn't drafted. That's what it, they make right. it seem like. Everybody's been drafted, went through the organization, played for the organization, and they just go in this conveyor belt, and one becomes the GM, and one becomes the president, and it just keeps going. That's the way it, they make it sound, and it's not that way at all. I, the Rangers are actually worse at doing that with ex-organization people. Their front office is full of ex-Rangers. Like it's like an alumni in their front office, and they're they're worse at it. And so's uh, not not was it Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks, the Mighty Ducks. Just as soon as you were done playing, they would hire you into the organization, mm. like immediately, like with no experience. Oh, go be this for me, and so that's not the way the Flyers do it. No. At all. There's a, so there's I don't a perception. Know. I, I agree with you on the talk radio thing. There's a perception, I think, that any ex-flyer who comes in is going to be, oh, we got to do 70s hockey, Broad Street Bullies. Mm-hmm. If you honestly think Danny Briere is looking to, to build this team with a bunch of fourth-line fighters, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. Matt, I'll give you killed. last word. What do you, what do you say to these killed in his days. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think probably the biggest thing is I could get a sense and I maybe can understand why maybe a typical WIP caller, longtime listener, first time caller guy would call in and say, you know, I'm sick and tired of these flyers. They always hire from within. We need somebody with a fresh perspective and they think it's a hot take. It's not even close to a hot take, not even remotely close. The way the flyers have been built up over the years is to John's point, they have a great alumni. They really do. And they hire really good people from that alumni pool um, to continue Ed Snyder's legacy of having hockey here in Philadelphia. Bottom line, that's what they do so, so well. And they have great people that do all kinds of things within that organization. I, you know, I think the frustration is we haven't won the cups in 75. It's been a long time. And I think Mm -hmm. the hot take that people get is, well, this X doesn't work. You know, the old school way of thinking doesn't work. Therefore, we need a new school way of thinking. Well, that doesn't compute here. That doesn't compute. It it did not compute, and it blew up spectacularly in these WIP callers' faces. It really did with Chuck Fletcher, you know, and they could say, oh, it wasn't really a good hire. Well, you know what? He was outside the organization. 
and Vigneault was outside the organization, and all these other folks were outside the organization, and they could not get on the same page. And they, I don't care who you are. And all of them had success outside the organization. So yeah. to to your point, like it's not that they were just hiring slop. They were hiring people that had <laughs> successful careers outside the organization, right. and they epically but failed. They didn't know. Yeah, but they didn't know the culture here. That's the big difference. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like they're they were strangers in this in this culture. You have to really to be a flyer. You have to be kind of ingrained. And there's a there's a bond of the trust here within that hockey club that once you're a flyer, you're always one. You know, and it's like you're mm-hmm. always remembered. Ian Laperriere was interviewed recently on the Nasty Knuckles podcast, and he you want to talk about a guy. He only played one year with the Flyers, love and people love him. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he was gritty. He, with all due respect to the current mascot, he was <laughs> lowercase g, lowercase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was tough. He blocked the sh- he blocked shots with his face in the playoffs. Are you kidding me with yeah. this guy? He was beloved here because of that, and he is forever remembered. And he's doing a great job up there in Lehigh Valley as a as a coach. He's you know. Mm-hmm. Bring along Tyson Forrester, which as a flyer, you love, love as a Flyers fan, you love to see that. So it's little things like that that just add up. If you bring somebody from the outside in, it's like, who are you? It's like, you need, hello, my name is Tag. You know, that kind of a deal. No, we don't need people like that. We really don't. So those are my two cents. The end of- I think the, the, the thing we all have to remember is, look, we're getting new people in these positions Let's keep an open mind because the honest to God fact is nobody really knows whether or not they could succeed. These people complaining are probably the same ones who were against the Doug Peterson coach hiring mm-hmm. by the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, were also against the Nick Sirianni coach hiring. Uh, you know, oh, he had such a horrible first press conference. He's going to suck as a coach. You know, one NFC championship later. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> one Super Bowl later, too. You know, come on, calm down. Right, My, Peterson, right, exactly. Yeah. Give it a chance. Be optimistic. Want your team to succeed no matter who it is. I wanted Fletcher to succeed. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I wanted Vigneault to succeed. It didn't happen. We're moving on. Next people. Let's go. And with that, we move on to topic two. We're going to be talking about the metaverse, which has gone the way of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. <laughs> well, in Boston Bruins, too. <laughs> well, uh, but that's last week's news, man. We're on to new Well, that's stuff. true. Yeah. Toronto's fresh. <laughs> it happened last night. I missed it. I the so Florida bad. Panthers, but besides the Flyers, the Panthers, this is the reason I'm not wearing this jersey behind me mm. is it's my son's jersey. So it's ah. too small. There you um, go. But after the Flyers, the Panthers are his favorite team. So when they mm-hmm. scored in overtime, he was ecstatic. Oh, I bet. He was yeah. very excited. Radko Gudis was pretty excited, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're throw, we should throw that picture up because then there's a picture of him. And he's like, yeah, like right in the guy's face. I mean, it's yeah, fantastic I'm, reaction. I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he was excited. It's uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Steve. Come on. You should be excited for that. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm more of the Jeremy Roenick. Let's do the uh, USA celebration and run along the boards. <laughs> there you go. That's just me. Oh, yeah. but we're, we're off track. We're talking about it here. A business insider op-ed piece titled RIP Metaverse. <clears throat> and the, the, the article is styled somewhat in the form of an obituary. But uh, oh. they, 
No. Goes back and forth. The metaverse, the once buzzy technology that promised to allow users to hang out awkwardly in a disorientating video game-like world, has died. <laughs> After being abandoned by the business world, it was three years old. Wow. From the moment of its delivery, Mark Zuckerberg claimed that the metaverse would be the future of the internet. The glitzy, spurious promotional video that accompanied Zuckerberg's name change announcement of Facebook to Meta described a future where we'd be able to interact seamlessly in virtual worlds. Users would make eye contact and feel like you're right in the room together. The metaverse offered people the chance to engage in an immersive experience, he claimed. Glowing profiles of the metaverse seemed to set it on a laudatory path, but the actual technology failed to deliver on this promise throughout its short life. A wonky virtual reality interview with the CBS host Gail King where low-quality cartoon avatars of both King and Zuckerberg awkwardly motioned to each other was a stark <laughs> contrast to the futuristic vistas shown in Meta's splashy introductory videos. In the months following the Meta announcement, it seemed every company had a Metaverse product to offer, despite it not being obvious what it was or why they should. Uh, we mentioned that the cryptocurrency industry took the ball and ran with it. Crypto pumpers successfully convinced people that digital land in the metaverse would be the next frontier of real estate investment. Mm. And even businesses that seem to have little to do with tech jumped on board. Walmart joined the metaverse. Disney joined the metaverse. Um, John, did your company join the metaverse? Absolutely not. <laughs> hey, John, did you know that when we started Two News back in October of 2020, I think we've now lasted maybe longer than the metaverse has. Oh, wait, way longer. Way longer. I mean, that's amazing right then and there. Just saying. Yeah. Mark wow. Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, <laughs> interestingly enough, colossal this was failure. A, yeah. This was a colossal failure, but listen, um, the consulting firm Gartner claimed that 25% of people would spend at least one hour a day in the metaverse by 2026. Uh, Wall Street Journal said the metaverse would change the way we work forever. Uh, a global consulting firm predicted metaverse would generate up to $5 trillion in value, adding that around 95% of business leaders expected the metaverse to positively impact their industry within five to 10 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. What's your reaction to what these people predicted, John? I mean, well, wow. uh, Zuckerberg was in charge. So, I mean, <laughs> if anybody else was in charge, possibly, this would still be moving forward. Mm. And it, virtual reality has a place. Um, I just don't think it's a mainstream, you're not going to rely on the the field worker or the or the train driver or the bus driver to get off his 13 hour shift, put his goggles on and go have a have a Miller light at the virtual bar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's I could see it being an hour a day is is about what they should have predicted because that's pretty much what people have. But <laughs> but Zuckerberg Zuckerberg can't Everything he touches falls apart eventually. So this is just <laughs> this is just him again. Great idea. He's had a ton of great ideas in his time 
with Facebook and and how to bring people together. But maybe 15 years ago he did. <laughs> but when when you watch him pull it out exactly like like Facebook was a good idea. Projected mm-hmm. to be a really good idea, but as you take that now and look at it 15 years later, it's a slop of crap that doesn't it's not very organized and loses money. I get conf- all the I, time. Yeah, I get- I get confused looking at the Facebook feed. I don't know which, you know, it's so utterly confusing because it's like you've got somebody posting one hour and then the next it could be six hours. And then after that, it's two hours. And it's like, where's the timeline? You guys had an oriented timeline all the way straight through. And that suddenly just, ah, the hell with it. We're not going to do it about the 27 ads of the things that you typed in the Google. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. so Matt, before I get to to your reaction, I want to mm-hmm. read you some of the numbers here that show the failure of this thing. Oh, here we go. Uh, Decentraland, the most well-funded <laughs> decentralized crypto-based metaverse product, um, oh boy. only had around 38 daily active users in its wow. $1.3 billion ecosystem. Oh, my gosh. Um. Meta's much-heralded efforts similarly struggled. By October 2022, Mashable reported that Horizon Worlds, which I guess was a Meta product, had less Mm. than 200,000 monthly active users, dramatically short of the 500,000 target Meta had set for the end of 2022. Wow. I I, I can actually give you... We had a client last year. Mm Mm-hmm who had seen, I think it was a Super Bowl ad. Uh, it was a beer company. It might have been Bud. I don't remember who. Mm-hmm. Um, where they advertised a, a virtual bar in this metaverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our 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 client um, does like jukeboxes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, maybe we want to see if we can get protection for ideas in mm-hmm. kind of the metaverse. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I went into the virtual bar that this Bud commercial had advertised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the most stupid thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, you could go and have a beer with your friend. You're not actually drinking anything. Exactly. Look, you go play darts on the dartboard. You're not actually throwing darts. Yeah. You could go into the bathroom, gentlemen. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely wow. ridiculous. I, I, it does not shock me that this failed because it was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. go off, please. <laughs> Preach. Yeah, no, hundred percent, right on the money, Steve. You, I mean, you, t- you almost took the wind out of my sails. I, I mean, I was just going to also say too, there was an arc, a part of it. Wall Street Journal reported only nine percent of user-created worlds were visited by more than fifty players. So you're talking about something that is like. All of this work, and the thing is, guys, this work was crap. It was crap from the start. I mean, the Gail King Zuckerberg interview conducted in that looked like it was made by a five-year-old, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I mean, it was awful, awful. And the fact that this was, oh, yeah, this is going to be the next big thing. It fell flat in its face. And to be perfectly honest, if we're all honest with each other, mm-hmm. not just within the three of us, but all of our audience. Yes. This was doomed to fail. This was really doomed to fail from the start. And 
yeah, okay, it could probably make sense if you have a very deadly pandemic, but we're now way past that, obviously, and people are back to going to the bars in person. They're <sighs> back going to sporting events in person. They're back going to the gym in person. They don't have to go to all of these individual little rooms inside the metaverse to see if they can go and go to the bathroom in virtual reality. Give me a break with that nonsense. I can't wait to Please lift virtual weights in my virtual gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you're going to get me to work out. Is virtual reality. Talk is swole, baby. Woo! Woo! Oh, my Because I can go no, to the edit screen and put muscles on me, and I'm fine. <laughs> Don't need to worry about actually working out anymore. I, I don't think I've ever seen a more spectacular failure outside of, you know, the Bud Light marketing controversy. But, I mean, or really. The Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. <laughs> or the Toronto Maple Leafs choking or Boston Bruins choking. But, I mean, seriously. Th- guys, seriously. Has there ever been a more spectacular failure that you could think of? New coach? Yeah, I'm sure there has been, but... We've never looked at it as oh Zuckerberg, this is gonna this is gonna fail. Like it's it's easily gonna fail because Zuckerberg is touching it. Yeah, I mean at, at some point, in order for him to really stay relevant, because I you know really at the end of the day, I really think like with Facebook that has to evolve and get better. You know, in order for it to really stay markedly available, well, he has to stay. He has to sell it. It's the same thing with it's the same thing with Twitter. And like, that's really the best thing he could do. It's exactly, literally John, the same thing right. with Twitter. Get the person yeah. out of there that doesn't and yeah. maybe people will jump back on and give it a try because it won't be the direct that it is now. I, how can yeah. you it's funny you guys reading all that. Like I, I don't even know how you would ever it never came across my page on how to get into the metaverse. I never, like, I knew it was going on, but they never marketed it to, hey, you want to try it? You want to, here, click this button. And I, I post on, I know, and I post There's- on, I post on Facebook daily with our socials, so I'm yeah. inadvertently yeah. on Facebook not wanting to be, but, but my feed is still there, and you could have roped me in because I'm there, and I have to be there because I'm trying to post shit. Yeah. You had me stuck I- there, and I knew nothing about it. That makes I mean, no that's, sense. You know, that's a failure in the marketing department. Yeah. If you don't even know where to even go to access I it, I mean, go. I knew it existed, right? and I'm I'm literally stuck on there for, and it's basically an hour. I'm sitting in front of this computer, stuck on there, waiting for stuff to upload, and and the feed is right there. You could just indoctrinate me with anything you want. It's right there. Because <laughs> what else? Am I, I'm I'm watching it. It's going right there. You could have given me, I could have been in the metaverse for months. And maybe I would have bought one of your Bud Lights. And maybe you wouldn't (laughs) fail. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. The the whole concept of the metaverse to me, it almost seemed like Zuckerberg watched that movie Ready Player One and was like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the guy who sets it up. Except he missed the whole point of the movie was people don't want to do that. They need yes. Like human interaction. Yes. Actual social interaction. Yeah. That's why they shut down the, I forget what they called it um, in the movie. They shut it down for two days a week because people need, you know, but whatever. They need to, you know, live their lives. Just saying. Just 
making a note here. Right. Post lots of Facebook posts <laughs> to indoctrinate John. Yes. <laughs> Noted. So, <laughs> topic and, number and three. <laughs> I will be a Flyers fan by the end of next week. <laughs> Love it. Well, um, as we go into topic three, speaking of technology that doesn't work, mm. Verge article here, gentlemen. Wendy's, the restaurant, tests an AI chatbot that takes your drive through order. Uh, Wendy's is partnering with Google to create an AI chatbot that can take orders at its drive throughs uh, as reported earlier by the Wall Street Journal. The fast food chain has plans to bring its first Wendy's Fresh AI-enabled drive through to a Columbus, Ohio restaurant in June. The chatbot will be able to take verbal orders from customers who line up at Wendy's drive through kiosks, all with the hope that it will reduce long wait times. Wendy's worked with Google to build a tailored chatbot. Uh, part of Google's work with Wendy's means ensuring the AI is brushed up on some of Wendy's lingo, such as knowing that a milkshake translates to a Frosty and that a JBC is short for Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. As soon as a chatbot takes a customer's order, it will appear on a screen for line cooks. A worker will then hand the completed meals to customers at the pickup window, just like any other order. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal, Google Cloud CEO Thomas Curian acknowledged some of the challenges associated with using an AI chatbot at the drive-thru. The bot will have to ignore any noises it hears from kids in the back seat of a vehicle. We'll also have to deal with customers who change their minds in the middle of an order. You may think driving by and speaking into a drive-thru is an easy problem for AI, but it's actually one of the hardest, Curian told WSJ. Matt, good idea, yay or nay? Uh, well, I famously said on this podcast a few weeks ago that I'm not in favor of artificial intelligence. I stay firm <laughs> to that uh, notion and will continue to do so. Another additional thing was I just found on the LinkedIn feed here for me was that basically there's a survey that's out of including over 800 companies from the World Economic Forum that 14 million jobs could disappear by 2027 due to the rise of automation i.e. artificial intelligence at mm -hmm. drive-thrus. One example. So, uh, no, I am not in favor. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't trust it. I, you know, I get the idea that we want to be better, you know, with customer service and whatnot, but I, the personal interaction is so important. It really, really is. And to be able to place an order like that drive in okay what if you change your mind after you place the order you know it's like you drive in it's like oh crap then you got to tell somebody what i didn't want question? this i need that mm -hmm. what if you have a question what what you know do do yeah. fries come with the with the junior bacon cheeseburger does any fries come with that what about what about know. a dietary question that. what about anything like an yeah. allergy question a dietary question where did is there a button to hit <laughs> like yeah. i get a human that might know something Maybe you'll program. Maybe you'll program that into the AI. I don't know, but again, not in favor. You know, I I just don't like where this is going, gents. I really don't. I I think the the idea to be 
faster with service has always been something that companies should always strive to do, obviously. But there it comes a point in time where if you're relying so much on technology to get your own work done, I mean, there are times where it's going to be errors and things along those lines, and those errors have to be overcome, and they have to be fixed. And if that how many cycles, eh. how many times have you pulled up to a drive through and the thing's not working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do yeah. you think's going to happen when the, when the bot goes berserk and, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's right? interesting. It's interesting. You brought up the uh, employment aspect of it because mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. article, they Google and Wendy's uh, actually mm-hmm. Wendy's tries to downplay that uh, customers will have the option to speak with a human. If the AI can't get the order, right. And mm-hmm. while the AI chatbot should be able to do everything a human can, including upselling Wendy's products, oh, good, we're training AI to upsell yeah, great. Uh, and indoctrinate people like John. Yes. Wendy's <laughs> tells the Wall Street Journal it doesn't plan to replace existing workers with the technology. For now. The new, the new automated ordering experience is designed to enhance the customer and crew experience by taking the complexity out of the ordering process so employees can focus on serving up fast, fresh, quality food and building relationships with fans that keep them coming back. Kevin Vesconi, the CIO at Wendy's, said in an email statement to The Verge. The, the, um, the complexity of the ordinary business? Even, Seriously? He didn't, write, he didn't write that. That was, <laughs> that was written for him. Just a marketing intern, I think. Yeah, exactly. right. That, yeah. That, that right. smells like marketing intern all over <laughs> Oh my God! John, you, I, I believe you brought this article to our yes, attention. Yes. Um, are you are you worried about this? What what uh, what piqued your interest on this article here? I I found it interesting for the for the jobs because they're already eliminating the jobs with the touchscreen at Wendy's. Because when I go mm-hmm. to Wendy's, if I if I ha- happen to go to a Wendy's, I go right in the door, right to the touchscreen. It's got pretty <laughs> pictures. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Get my order. I'm gone. Like I don't. And if you don't have one, I'll talk to the person if I have to. Mm-hmm. But if I got a touch screen, I definitely won't. This I, this actually happened to me in a McDonald's back when I used to uh, eat McDonald's like five years ago. I was is when they had their first touch screen, and I walked in and I'm waiting in line because that's what you're supposed to do. And the employee goes, "Hey, did you see our kiosk? It's way easier." And I walked over and I ordered my stuff and I got out. And I was like, "This is this is the wave of the future. This is what I want. I don't need the I don't need that interaction." This has taken drive-through to a, a level that I don't think they're ready for. No. And there's talking about their long lines. Well, Chick-fil-A uses people <laughs> with iPads and they're fast as hell. Why don't we just do that? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, maybe that's Two because people- Chick-fil-A actually trains their employees <laughs> to do their jobs properly. Two people, two people, two lines, two iPads. I'm out in 35 seconds. That's that's. And sometimes, and even if you're not, the way just to get to that food is well worth it. At the end of the day, right at the end of the day, yeah. So yeah. Well, you guys have heard me complain. Like we used to have a Wendy's at our local mall, Mm -hmm. um, and the line was always the longest in the in the food court. But it wasn't because it was the most popular. It was because. They were slow as shit. Service was terrible. Yeah. Now Chick Fil A's got the longest line, but guess what? That mine moves. It yes. moves, baby. Yeah. Man. And AI is not going to solve that problem for Wendy's. I mm-hmm. honestly, 
I mean, it's going to have to deal with children in the back seat. Well, what if it goes Terminator on your ass? Like, shut up, Junior. <laughs> Shoots you with a laser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as he yeah, made the pew sound and didn't kill the kid. <laughs> if, he just, if he just said, shut up, Junior, pew, and like a little fake gun came out, that would be, be great. That would be funny. Interaction. I, my, my thing about that whole article is the uh, the complexity of the ordering business or something like that. <laughs> Are you kidding ridiculous. me? As long as restaurants have existed, we have taken orders and delivered yes. food yes. as a result yes. of those orders. Yeah. I really don't it's, think it's, there's a lot of complexity going on just because it's a drive-through. No right? need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing? Well, fourth topic now, gentlemen. Um, not really sure how to categorize this one. Hmm. Ink.com, it is an op-ed piece. You guys were uh, all up in the op-ed pieces, bringing those yes. this week yes. for whatever reason. Can't, Slow work, Can't, can't, can't Slow formulate work. your own goddamn opinions. In the media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why would we do a thing like that? Yes. <laughs> well, look, if we're just really trying to avoid talking about Trump and his uh, legal issue, um, you know, fair enough. Uh, right. um, Inc.com. Organizational. <laughs> he has many, too many to bring up on this program. Organizational psychology shows the fallout from working for a toxic boss can last up to 10 years. Oh, my. Somewhere along the way, you probably worked for at least one bad boss, a person who would have failed miserably on Google's key behaviors of great team managers. Yet for whatever reason, no one who could have done anything about them actually did. So you sucked it up, and in spite of your boss, did your best. Or not. Or not. According, or not. <laughs> according to a meta-analysis, I hope they didn't do this in the metaverse, of 57 oh, different studies published in the Leadership Quarterly... The negative impact created by a bad boss far outweighs the positive effect of a good boss. Destructive leadership significantly decreases employee job satisfaction, employee dedication and commitment, employee well-being, employee turnover intention, the precursor to quiet or actual quitting, overall performance. As the researchers write, as expected, the high correlation arises between destructive leadership and attitudes toward the leader. Surprisingly, the next highest correlation was found between destructive leadership and counterproductive work behavior. Or, in non-researcher speak, if your boss sucks, your performance suffers, both now and, very likely, well into the future. Um, John, you regaled us. Well, you didn't actually regale us. You, you teased us that uh, you have experience <laughs> in this arena, having worked for a toxic boss. Oh, boy. Can you relate to this study? I should sit down for this. <laughs> the, the, the point that Matt made when he sent this over and, and the headline literally resonated with me. Like, yeah. wow, that 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 is something that I, I'm very familiar with. I still I've talked about it before with with time off and stuff like that. I, I have this thing where I feel bad when I like put in for vacation and I, I normally carry over five days because I'm worried about what people are going to think of me. And this article actually brought me back to like the moment of why that is. And I worked for somebody who will remain nameless. Um, probably cause I'm Facebook friends with them. 
and we're going to assault him. <laughs> Uh-oh. But I, uh, I remember it used to be like pulling teeth to take your week's vacation, and we were busy all the time, and it was always like, well, why can't you do it this time? Or this, why is it got to be? Well, because I want to take it this day to this day, because that's when me and the said human that I was making the plans with at home made the plans to do this, and now I come into work, and I, it gets all shitted on, and it, 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 he used to make you feel like you you weren't like fully dedicated. And, you know, that's why I left that job because like, fuck this. Like I don't need to, I'm tough enough on myself. I don't need someone else to be tough on me. Like, but yeah, I, I could see how it could last for, for years and years because that, that job was so long ago. It doesn't, it's not even a blip on my radar. Like I'm in a completely different profession. I'm a completely different situation. I'm halfway across the country. Like there is nothing that should actually, but it's funny when you said that, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, the precursor to this apparently is a study of college coaches and athletes um, where the researchers determined that exposure to abusive leadership, which I think earlier it said was exhibited by 17 to 33% of all men's basketball coaches. Wow. Uh, influenced both the trajectory and task, uh, trajectory of task performance and psychological aggression over the players' NBA careers. Those with abusive coaches performed at a lower level and had more technical fouls. Marcus Smart, <clears throat> than players who were not. And that negative impact lingered for as long as 10 years, all of which mm. means the toxic behavior of a supervisor or manager doesn't only affect the performance of your employees today. Exposure to those behaviors may impact your employees' performance and attitude for years to come. Huh. Matt, similar uh, feelings, expressions, thoughts? Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Uh, it- I mean, it's an interesting uh, thought uh, to have, you know, because you never forget a good one and you never forget a bad boss either, you know, either one of the two. And I like to like kind of classify it as like there have been good bosses, those that are figuring it out, and then there are some bads. Um, And I could classify in each one of my, you know, in all the jobs that I've had over the course of my life and all the different, you know, supervisors I've had, this is good, this is okay, they're figuring out, but they're getting good. This person just flat out sucks. This is awful. You know, that kind of a deal. So, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say, like, to John's points, I, I wouldn't say I've had a boss that's been so bad where it's like you feel guilty taking vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, I think, that's your time. You know, that's time you've earned. You know, that's none of their business, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, and it goes back to, the problem there is as a boss, you have to schedule your people better and you have to make sure that the balance of the workload works out so that way you don't feel overwhelmed. You're looking That's for all... you're looking for workload balance. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Or work life circle. But no, it's it goes to the point of the bosses that's their responsibility. Just because someone wants to take time away, that doesn't mean that oh my god. The house is on fire and we've got to put out this little ember over here. This is ridiculous, you know, in that regard. Um, I've had, maybe I'd never reported up to this guy, but I've had like VPs uh, say to me at an organization I priorly worked with, 
openly said in maybe about uh, a room of about 500 of, of uh, employees would openly say, you know what, our organization is behind the times and letting people go. Openly said it right in front of everybody. And it's like, did I hear what I just heard? Did I, I mean, really? You don't have the foresight and the knowledge to even read the room, the literal room that you're in right now, yeah. right? I mean, it's been, so th- there's a gamut. And But on the flip side, you've had I've had some great bosses, some people that I've learned so much from over the last, like, 20, 25 years of my working career, especially even ones that have been younger than me that they, to- that they teach me. Um, my last boss prior uh, was fantastic in that regard. Always would be challenging, but never negative. Would always want me to push and do more. That's more important to me than anything else. And treat me with respect. That's that's all I ever have asked for in my working career in that regard. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, with John's experience, I could see, you know, if you're an accountant at an accounting firm, it's probably not a good idea to schedule a vacation like April 13th to April 17th. That's yeah. Yeah. I can understand that, but you weren't (laughs) weren't in that profession where you have a certain time of the year. That's like, yeah, you know, your profession was spread out completely over the course of a year. There's not really a break. Yeah. That makes sense. You have to make your own, you have to make your own break. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, for uh, me on the bill, and for me on the billing side, it would be like you don't take off month end close. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you know that's but, just part of the nature. Every, but everybody has their jobs where they know where the key parts where you're definitely like I'm not going to take off the beginning of the year of my job now because that's the time yeah. where I get ahead. So mm-hmm. why would I? So what I do is I take off end of year because it's normally it's it's a, it's a kick in the bucket at that point. You get in mm-hmm. December, it's a kick in the bucket. Like we've done what we've done. Okay. But this, yeah. this was this was a, a summertime in the business I was in is a very slow time, and it was mm-hmm. like it it was just it was unacceptable to said person. Mm. Have you guys ever had a a boss so toxic that you feel like it affected your actual work product? No, I've never had that because yeah, I just, always had a higher standard for myself. And I've always wanted to achieve that standard, um, no matter what. And I was just going to put in the work, no matter what the case was. And I wasn't going to allow, like, that boss to negatively affect me, like in that regard. If if it were, if it got ever to that point where it was so bad, then HR. But I better damn well have something written down and made sure that mm-hmm. this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. Things like that. I come armed essentially with the with that meeting. Yeah. John, you said yes. Did it, were you yes. answering yes to my question I, or yes to Matt's? No, you know, to your yes, que- Matt. To, yeah, no, to your <laughs> question. I had a boss that it didn't negatively affect my work, but what I was trying to do is put together a crew to make this was this was uh, seven eight years ago, trying to put together a crew that would make this operation run better and. They, I couldn't stick that guy, that guy that you need to, 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 because the boss was such a, he doesn't work there anymore. And I'm sure everybody that would listen to this, that worked with the dude, call him a douche. 
so I have no problem with calling him a douche. <laughs> they, I could, I tried, I tried many people that I knew that could, that had decent work ethic or at least experience. I tried to put him in this position so we could succeed as a company, and this dude would, I mean, they they lasted months with this guy. Like this guy's a piece of garbage, and they would leave, and it was like, ah, uh, the drawing board again, try it again. So not personally affected my work experience, but definitely affected the the company and getting to the next level mm-hmm. in getting what what the owner actually wanted was not. We weren't achieving that because we had this cognitive wheel that was a total and utter screw up. Amazing. Hmm. Matt, I'll give you the final word. What advice do you, would you give to somebody who's got a toxic boss? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I would say... Um, start a one, podcast and bitch about them. Start a podcast and <laughs> yes. bitch about them. Hell yes. <laughs> Don't do that. But start a podcast. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, why um, not? <laughs> why not, right? I mean, at the end of the day. No, I, I mean, probably the best... A piece of advice that I would give is one, do your work, focus on your monitor. Don't work us on, don't focus on anything outside. Keep doing what you're doing. But then two, outside of work, look for other opportunities. There's opportunities. If it is really, really bad, start looking. It's not worth the time and effort really to kind of just combat that boss because that's going to make things worse. Do your work, focus in on what you have to do, but then don't be afraid to, to go elsewhere and start interviewing in that regard. Get your resume together and start looking. If it's that bad, do those things. That would be my piece of advice there. Yeah. Great advice. Excellent advice. Great advice, man. And with that, we conclude episode 137 of Two Noobs Talking. We're we're going out like the Toronto Maple Leafs with a Florida Panther jersey in your face. (laughs) So... Yeah, what Steve said. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, anything final to say before we head on out of here? Hmm. Mark Zuckerberg's a loser, even for paying off people to win a jiu-jitsu tournament. (laughs) Go Florida. (laughs) You've you've been dying to get that out all day, haven't you? Yes. Yes. There you go. (laughs) I'm with Matt. Go Florida. There you and, go. And another note, I can't wait. I can't, or I hope, I hope we get to play Jimmy Butler in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals because I'd love well, to. Gotta Butler, get past game seven. And that's going to be fun. Yes. yes. But luck, I hope. Good luck. Yes. Good luck to the 76ers in game seven. That's farther than I had expected them to get, frankly. Very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, so fingers crossed something good happens. You'll know. We don't. We're predicting the future yeah. again here at Two News. Yeah. Yeah, uh, by the way, go. one last thing. Uh, congratulations to Jalen Hurts on obtaining his master's degree from Oklahoma University. I love that uh, guy. Apparently this weekend. So uh, <laughs> why are we not surprised on Great that? job. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not shocked at all. <laughs> Hardest work <laughs> dude ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he somehow found a way to make it 30 hours a day. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Crazy. You know, lead your team to the love Super Bowl it. and advance your educational. Um, love that background. guy. That's, that's awesome. Love that dude. So yeah. with that, we say farewell till episode 138. Go Sixers. Go Panthers. See you next week, Joe. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Two Noobs Talking. If you want more of Two Noobs on social media, we're here for you. You can find us by searching Two Noobs Talking on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Clapper. Have a great week, and we look forward to delivering another great episode to you next week. Take care. <laughs>